And welcome to another edition of Scott Wheeler's Airplay, where we go behind the scenes to meet some Peoria radio and television personalities and get to know them a little bit off the mic. We're airing on Peoria Life's web portal, peorialife.com, on Facebook Live at the moment. And you can also check out this episode and past episodes on YouTube, Peoria Life's YouTube channel, or on Peoria TV, channel 17 on the i3 broadband system. I'm Scott Wheeler from Super Hits 102.7 FM and 1290 AM WIRL. And today we talk to a guy who tells you where to go <laughs> every morning as uh, traffic on uh, Traffic One on some of Peoria's top radio stations. Ken Zersky is here. Ken is also an author of three books, so we're going to talk to him about that. Ken, welcome. Scott, how are you? Thanks. I'm doing great. So, got to talk about the, uh, the traffic career first. When I first heard you, you were actually in the Chicagoland area yes. using the name Grant Park, yes, which uh, has got to be the all-time best stage name in radio yeah. ever if you're working in Chicago. That's an interesting story. Um, uh, most of the traffic reporters at the time were doing multiple radio stations. Mm -hmm. Uh, for a group, you know, for uh, it was shadow traffic at the time in Chicago. And we started doing uh, reports for WLS radio there in Chicago. And the program director, because we were using our real name on another station, he goes, well, we got to come up with some, some other name. Mm -hmm. and of course, usually you get the pick, you know, and it's just usually something. You pick a grandfather's yeah. name or it's a, uh, an uncle's name or whatever. And, uh, and he goes, well, that's, uh, I, I think I'll choose. So he started picking all these names <laughs> that had some, you know, tie into a Chicago landmark like like Grant Park, there was Ike Stevenson, there was a there was a Carol Stream. Uh, so awesome. uh, yeah, so we were able to kind of incorporate this. I was able to kind of latch on to a talk show that was on in the evenings and kind of became a little bit of a co-host there. So the Grant Park uh, thing kind of stuck with me. I still get emails from people going, I remember you as Grant Park. They actually recognize the voice. Uh, so yeah, and when when I came here to Peoria, which will be 16 years, that is 16 years this like July. Yesterday. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, you know, we could talk about why we came, but uh, when I did come here uh, 16 years ago, everyone kept saying, you're going to use Grant Park? And I'm like, would that make sense here? And then everyone started coming up with their own names. Like, How about Detweiler Park? You know? And so uh, it was kind of a funny thing. I go, you know what? I think I'll just use my real name. <laughs> so how did that all begin for you? How did you end up doing traffic in Chicago? Well, uh, you know, I'm sure that there was talk before I even came here when upgrade 74 was just, you know, the, the meetings were going on. I'm sure yeah. you were in a few of the radio meetings <laughs> yeah. there when you're talking about, well, let's get a traffic service together because we're going to be, or the bridge is going to be shut down. It was mm -hmm. part of the project. But it was a four-year-long project. Mm -hmm. And for six months, they're going to shut down the Murray Baker Bridge, I-74. And so all that was kind of brewing before I actually sent an email to the radio group. I had met my wife through mutual friends in 1999 in Chicago. So we had been together four years. And every weekend, I had really been coming down here and okay. seeing her. So I kind of knew the area, didn't know it very well, but just a little bit of it. I wasn't unfamiliar with it. And uh, so when we were going to get married in 2003, I sent an email down here. I mean, my wife has a very big family. <laughs> so I was coming down here and they're all still here. You know? uh, so I was coming here. And so I sent an email to the radio group uh, through a friend of mine, Greg Batten, was working in Chicago at the time. He's now back working here. He's been here for a while, uh, mornings. And uh, I asked him, I said, what's the good radio group? He goes, well, you got to send it here. So I did. And uh, it was just 
perfect timing because yeah. they're like, whoa, we know who you are, Grant Park, right? And, uh, and we're looking for a traffic report. I've been, been doing news and traffic in Chicago for 15 years in, uh, on the radio oh, station. Okay. So um, it was kind of a perfect marriage there too. You know? So I was getting married and it was kind of a good marriage with the radio yeah. group. And, uh, and you know, we, started, we started up in August of 2003. And, uh, and then it was a, a year or so later, maybe two years when they shut down the bridge and that was obviously a big deal and now it's like we're coming full circle because it's happening again it's happening isn't it? again <laughs> don't I had, leave I, I had to do the double take when I heard it I'm like really didn't we just do this <laughs> yes right right and and so it, how interesting is that going to be now for us you know I mean that's the reason why we started now we've kind of established ourselves as, as, as the radio and traffic uh, service and 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 now we get to do it all over again. You know, <laughs> it's like the old joke: you, you paint the bridge, you get to the end of it, and then you start you have over to start again. over again. Right, right. So yeah, I was really shocked by that. And I thought, well, how interesting is that going to be? And what is that happening? That's happening in April of next year. Oh boy! And it, and they're adding on a month. It's going to be seven months long that it's closed. Oh, so maybe we're just used to it, you know. So they, they figured, ah, yeah, yeah we got month. them now. Yeah, right. Is it my imagination, or is the entire city under construction right now? I really uh, think there is not a road that's open. It's, it seems that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, here's the thing. When I got here, um, I was told this was a 20-minute town. Now, here's, you know, there really wasn't any any traffic service established here. Right. We were really starting from scratch and trying to figure out, what are we going to do? What are we going to report? What's the format going to be? How are we going to pace this? In Chicago, it's pretty easy. It goes mm. quickly. Mm -hmm. Usually, the, the, the news stations, the all-news stations, they want a format of, you know, Dan Ryan, I-57, you go, Eisenhower, you go down the line. So people, when they listen to it, they can get familiar with the spot at which they're going to be concerned about. Mm -hmm. And it's travel times, travel times, travel times. Uh, here, obviously, you don't have travel times and you don't have, have you know, set, you know, it, you have an interstate that goes through town, but you don't have a set travel time for things. And so it was more about information and information. And, and, uh, and it was also more about that 20 minute town that everyone talks about. You get, you can, Go from 20 minutes from one end to the other yeah. in any direction. That's not true anymore. <laughs> <is> it? <laughs> it can't okay, be. that was 16 years ago. Uh, <laughs> let's add on another 10 minutes. Uh, but here's the thing, you know, you as far as traffic reports here go, you expect to get to work on time, right? Mm -hmm. That's what you expect. Mm -hmm. And so when you tune in, most of the time you're going to hear everything is fine, and whether you're listening for something or not. Mm -hmm. And then there's going to be that one day where it's going to affect your route. Mm -hmm. And then that's the day maybe you, maybe you even missed it, you know, and you go, oh, you know. And so we really had to concentrate on taking stuff that obviously was going to have the most impact on traffic. Of course, you know, got I-74 and 474 and, 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 and kind of focus on that. And obviously the accidents and all the other incidents mm -hmm. uh, that, that happened come along with it too. So uh, yeah, it, it seems to me that there's, I, I, I say this too, I used to do 70 plus reports when I did the split shift, both did a morning and afternoon uh, report. Uh, now I just do mornings, about 45 reports get broadcast in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I always say, I, I, I've never had nothing to talk about. You know, there's always been yeah. something going on. And it's mostly a lot of information. Yes, it's, it's about what's coming up or what's happening. And then suddenly you get into like the 7, 8 o'clock hour, I call it a rush 
rush hour. It truly is a rush hour here, mm -hmm. and uh, and that's when the road work starts to cause those those slowdowns, and then you know th mixing all the accidents and other things, and and there's always something to say, yeah. you know. We're talking with Ken Zersky, who is the uh, director and uh, morning reporter for Traffic One, which you hear on many of Peoria's top radio stations uh, every morning. But about, what, seven years ago, mm. uh, you stopped doing the split shift yep. so that you could devote time to, of all things... Becoming an author. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? Well, I say it's it's as much a happy accident uh, as it is a pleasant surprise. I, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, you know, I, I'm a journalist, and I love, you know, sco finding stories uh, and and researching things and doing uh, a lot of a newsy part of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, you don't really do that with traffic. It's immediate. You know, mm -hmm. it's there and, and you have it and then it's done. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so I, I was I was reading a book about the Eastland disaster. Now, the Eastland was a, a steel steamer that tipped over in the Chicago River. It's the worst boat wreck in uh, Illinois history. And, and that's happened on the Chicago River. And uh, that happened in 1916. And uh, I was telling my, my cohort there, Greg, Greg Batten from WMVD, that, that I was reading this book and it was fascinating because I find these, these, these stories about disasters, these tragedies, to have so many levels to them. There's, there's the, the shock, of course, the, there's, there's the event itself, the shock, the grief, and then you get the anger, you, people mm -hmm. want to know who's to blame for this. Mm -hmm. Then you get a legal part of it. Sure. And, it and it was all there. And, and in, the, in the mix of all that are all these testimonials, these people's stories, because there are survivors who mm -hmm. tell their stories. Mm -hmm. And Greg said, oh, you know, interesting. There was a boat wreck that happened in, in Pekin. I, he didn't know what year it was or how many people had died. I go, really? And I had no idea. Really? And so I started looking it up. And there were things that were already been written about mm -hmm. it. And, and certainly in Pekin, where most of the people were from, who were on the uh, Columbia, um, you know, there were stories there. And as I started digging deeper into it, there were, there were kind of po points of the story where I, I thought I could fill in, mostly what happened after the boat, right, mm -hmm. the legal part of it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, the, the story always ended with the captain and the pilot uh, were never faced a jury, even though they were indicted. And, uh, and that part wasn't told yet. And, you know, I just thought to myself, I have no idea whether I could write a book. I mean, you just don't, don't mm -hmm. do that. And, and the, the whole prospect of it didn't really sound very uh, appealing to me because I knew it would be a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, but I had all this research and I just love going into libraries and going through the microfilms and looking at all this stuff. And I thought, well, I'll give it a try. And, you know, being a broadcaster, and you know, being a broadcaster for many years, you tell stories mm -hmm. on the air. Mm -hmm. You just do it with your voice. Mm -hmm. And and it just seemed that transitions just si seemed kind of easy for me to kind of go from what I was thinking instead of bringing it out here to kind of, you know, do it, you know, on 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 uh, on the computer and, and, and put it to words. And, and, I, and after the book came out in 2012, um, it was interesting, when, it, when I was doing the research for the book, I had put a kind of feeler out in one of the historical society's newsletters that I was working on this book. I didn't really give my name or anything. I, I didn't want to do that, but I just said, I'm a writer and I'm doing some research on the Columbia. If you have any stories, any of your ancestors had a story to tell, please contact me. And I, I didn't get any responses, none. Really? And I thought, why? You know, I knew this was a kind of a forgotten story, but mm -hmm. I thought, does anybody, you know? And then the book came out in 2012 and I started doing talks. In fact, they did an, an, an event 
event at the Pekin Library, which is kind of an introduction to the book and mm -hmm. me, and it was packed, and people come up to me and they, t and, they, and they started telling me their stories about their great aunt who was on the boat or those who, oh, they wanted to go on the boat and they just missed it oh, or and stuff like that. And you know what? I get it. My dad was in World War II. He hardly talked to us at all about the war unless he met another veteran and then it was like hours uh -huh. they were talking, uh -huh. right? Well, here I think people just didn't, you know, it's, it's a personal thing and it was mm -hmm. a personal thing I think when it was told and now, you know, as it goes down through generations and I think they just didn't know what, I was doing there, mm -hmm. but then they got something physical, you mm -hmm. know, and there it was. And, and then they were able to kind of open up. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I didn't feel like any of the stories that they told me is something I, I could have included because most of the stories they were telling me are a lot of the stories of their ancestors who were in the newspaper too. I go, okay. I, I recognize the name, okay. I tell them. Mm -hmm. it, or, you know, read it because mm -hmm. it's in the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, But I, I do think that there might be something that some of the historical societies can do of getting some of these stories, getting these people to write these stories down of what their great aunt told them. Maybe that could be another book. You're going to have to do the second edition. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so The Wreck of the Columbia came out in 2012. Yes. What was, what was a misconception you had about writing, do you think, that you learned when writing that first book that, boy, this isn't anything like I thought it would be? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's just, you know, it's, it's time-consuming. And uh, truthfully, there is a point where you sort of block yourself out. And as long as you know your direction, mm -hmm. you, you, then, then you, you, you want to give yourself the time to stop and that time to just kind of relax and mm -hmm. let things let, let things flow because that's that's they, they call it writer's block, and okay. and certainly that's what it is. And if, instead of getting angry at yourself, you just have to stop and go. Let me just take it out of my head for a while, mm -hmm. and then eventually it starts to work its way back in, and and then you you start you start flowing again. Mm -hmm. And so as long as you can give yourself that time to stop, and that was the best thing about being an independent writer mm -hmm. and working for an independent publishing company. At the time when I was writing, I didn't have the publishing company. Okay. So I was really just kind of like going, well, maybe it'll be a book, maybe mm -hmm. it won't. But I had that time mm -hmm. to really kind of, you know, stop, give it a break, and move along. So I'd heard about writer's block, and I thought, oh, is that going to happen? And it's like, it certainly does. Really interesting. So you uh, you enjoyed it enough to take a stab at another book, the Peoria Stories book. Now that uh, that's I, I, I hate to ask you to sing a lot of story, but uh, <laughs> I think that's unique in that uh, everybody probably knows or has heard the legend of one of one or two of those stories. Give me yeah. a little synopsis of that one. Well, you know, I was asked to do write some Peoria stories, or stories about Peoria mm -hmm. by uh, the uh, Peorian magazine. Mm -hmm. And um, when I thought about it, I go, well, you know what, I'm not from here. <laughs> and most of the historians that I knew from here, Norm Kelly, mm -hmm. uh, even going back to Bill Adams and Jerry sure. Klein, uh, they're from here. So, you know, their stories were, were told kind of firsthand, like, oh, I remember when mm -hmm. I used to play there. Or yeah, they had the city in their, in their blood, in their heart. And, uh, of course, I couldn't write that way about the, about the I mean, it's, it wasn't my hometown. Mm -hmm. uh, but what I, I thought I could do is take some famous figures, uh, influential people, mm -hmm. and show their ties to Peoria. And all started with, of course, the famous Teddy Roosevelt calling 
the, you know, Grandview Drive, the world's most beautiful right. drive. Now, we all know he said that, but I was thinking, well, why did he say that? Why was he here? Mm -hmm. What did he really mean by that? So I started doing research on that, and that was really the first story I wrote, and it became the anchor story okay. of, of the book. Uh, so there's nine stories in there. There's uh, Charles Lindbergh, who used to fly the airmail over Peoria, okay. uh, from uh, St. Louis to, Peoria, to Chicago, uh, you know, literally months before he made his famous flight across the Atlantic, and crash landed a few times. One really? just outside, <laughs> just outside of Bloomington. Here and there. Yeah, he was flying. He was flying over Peoria, ran into the fog. And of course, back then, you know, the airplanes didn't have instrument control like they do now. Mm -hmm. I mean, basically, if you were in a bad situation, couldn't land a plane, you jumped out of the plane. <laughs> you had a, yeah, I mean, you had a parachute on. But you just ditched the plane. That's what he did a couple times wow. in the Fiori area. So, uh, and there's a tie into William Hamilton. You know, Alexander Hamilton's kind of mm -hmm. hot now, yeah. now with the with the with the, uh, the the musical. And and there's a tie of uh, Alexander Hamilton's son William, who uh, was one of the first surveyors of the town of Peoria. And uh, wow. of course Lincoln. Uh, yeah. You know, you you got to go with Lincoln with yeah. Peoria. And and the thing is that uh, with Lincoln. He's known for one, really one day in Peoria, and that's the Peoria speech. And um, it's why we have a statue in the courthouse, of course, for that Peoria speech. And that's a fascinating story in itself. I mean, there was one historian who called that speech one of the most influential or famous, you know, or most important uh, speeches in the nation, you know, because they had to do with slavery. And the first time that Lincoln really, you know, said that slavery was wrong on, on all levels. And... Uh, um, and so I had to include that, and I kind of tied that into kind of Lincoln's legacy and his, his, uh, his inaugural train. We all know the funeral train came back to Illinois, but his inaugural train, which went from Springfield to Washington, D.C., and when he left Illinois and said goodbye, he was saying goodbye for the last time. As a president, he never did come back, and of course we know. Uh, and so um, I thought, well, there's my Lincoln story. And I actually have two Lincoln stories in here, which is amazing, because, I mean, what, what else can you write about Lincoln? But uh, he was involved in a in a strange court case in Metamora, which I was able to include in this. I remember watching the uh, the Lincoln movie, and Metamora is yes. referenced in there. Yeah, that's Aha. that's where I found out that story, and I did some more research on that. Yes. So uh, Peoria Stories is kind of about people we know, and then your third book, the unremembered book, is lesser known but uh, interesting stories nonetheless. Yeah, it, you know, I, I was always felt like I was always kind of going to branch out of being local specific to something that was really global. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm an avid reader of, of history books, and I'm, uh, I always found these names in these, in these books on other subjects uh, that uh, were, were interesting people. Uh, they, they, they were, what, what I say were, and I know this is a, a subjective word being famous, but they were famous for their time. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting to me was that I didn't know who they were. <laughs> uh, and, and in the book, they were maybe just a page or two. And usually the author would say, oh, and they were, they were really famous at, at this time. And, but I thought, well, what made them famous? Why do we not know them now? So what made them unremembered? Mm -hmm. And um, so there's, there's about 70 different people fall under the category in here of people who uh, I kind of tag it with famously interesting, mostly forgotten people who, and I say famous, they made the headlines, they, they were just people who you think about, you know, I, I use an example, like you say, uh, today, like Robert Mueller, you know, that, that name we know today. I mean, someone says it, you know it just because he's in the, in the news, you know, a hundred years from now, somebody else said, but yeah, but back in, you know, 2000 and, in, 
in, in uh, 19, you know, that was a name that was on, mm -hmm. you know, so it was, it. it's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of like that. And, uh, but, but they're, they're all, they're all people who, I mean, back, back in the, and it's mainly 19th century, uh, maybe, maybe early 20th century, but mostly in that 19th century, which is a fascinating uh, uh, um, uh, century because that's when industry sure. and manufacturing was all started. So you had all these people who were inventing things, you know, and, and, and some of these people were trying to, uh, you know, make things and perfect things, and they did, but then someone came along who was named Bell or is named Edison who kind of, you know, did something a little bit better Better. Yeah. And 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 that's the one we remember now. But these are kind of the people who are who are kind of underneath them, you know. But kind of had the first wave of mm -hmm. of fame and celebrity for things that they did. Okay. So you and I were talking before we got started that you do the majority of your writing before you go to work, the other job you have doing traffic, which starts at five, when do you get up and yeah. write? In the middle of the night? Pretty much, yes. Really? Well, you know, with having to, well, I say when I started working on the uh, Columbia book in 2010, my kids are now 12 and 14, so uh, they were much younger then. Mm -hmm. And the, the quietest time of the house would be in the morning. I get that. So uh, <laughs> I would get up. Normally, I get up about 2.30, uh, I get to work about four, and so I would get up around one and and start working. Wow. But I found that I found that my brain was just sharp, really? you know. When, it, when it, I, I'm not me. <laughs> <laughs> Some people are early risers. I was just, and so I, I I would get most of my work done in the in the early morning before I went to work. Yeah. So, what advice would you give someone uh, go go back seven years when you were starting this process mm. who thought you know. I'd like to write a book. Yeah. What do they need to know? Yeah, don't go any further than where you're at. You know, it's like a lot of people come to me and and they say, "Hey, uh, I've uh, you know they they want to talk to my pub the, the publisher mm -hmm. and the, and you know, publishers don't want ideas necessarily. They want work. Uh, they 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 want what you have. So I just say, write your book. Any idea is a good idea. Mm -hmm. Write your book and then start worrying about you know getting it out to people mm -hmm. or trying to find uh, mm -hmm. find a publisher. I think people make the mistake that they get frustrated because they don't they, they start writing and but they're thinking too far ahead and like oh this isn't good enough and don't think that way either. Mm -hmm. There are good professional people out there who can help you shape what you have. Okay. Just put it down and 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 write it. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know I think a lot of people give up because they think oh you know I got a great story whether it's nonfiction or even a, a fiction story. Mm -hmm. I got a great story. Story uh, I, and I want to tell it, and then they start telling people, and and you know maybe, maybe they, they 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 even pitch it to a, a, a independent publisher right away, and the publisher is just going to say, well, just write the book. I mean that that's mainly it. <laughs> yeah. Before you get Simple any, as that. <laughs> yeah, before you get any commitment. And I I was almost done with the Columbia when I uh, was contacted this uh, Amica Press in Chicago, and so you know it's like send me the manuscript, and then they'll they'll look it over and, and go from there. So, uh, but don't get frustrated. That's 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 the main thing. Mm -hmm. And even if you write something and it doesn't even get into a book form, I mean, look what you've done. Yeah. Uh, and, and a lot of writing, I think, today is is personal. They're writing about someone. If you're doing, if if you're writing about, you know, a, a real event or story, you're writing about one of your ancestors or someone you know or a story that you've been told. So, and that's the way to keep history alive. I tell these people who 
tell me the stories about the Columbia, I say, you know, write, write this down for prosperity's mm -hmm. sake mm -hmm. and give it to your children and to give to their children so it doesn't die. I mean, history is, is, is remembered because it's recorded. Right. Either someone, you know, transcribed it like Lincoln. I mean, had he not transcribed this Peoria speech, we wouldn't have, we would have known. There was a speech by Douglas on the same day that's, that Lincoln gave a speech. He didn't transcribe his speech, so we don't know. That could have been a great speech. We just don't know. Uh, but Lincoln did. So either, you know, the history is told through those who uh, transcribed their, their own work or were told something and then, and then wrote it down. We still have to do that today. Mm -hmm. So how do I get uh, these books? Where are they available? They're all available online, mm -hmm. any of the outlets. Amazon's obviously the mm -hmm. big one. Uh, I do have my books available in the Peoria Riverfront Museum store. Oh, they excellent. carry that. Mm -hmm. Barnes & Noble, you can go in-store and order. I believe they have Unremembered in stock, and you might have to order the other two. Uh, so uh, you, know, you can go bookstore here locally or like I said, online, it's on, uh, it's on all the outlets. And wasn't the Wreck of the Columbia turned into a musical? It was. Uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Well, see, last year was the 100th year anniversary, and okay, it was, yeah, it was 19, quite an honor 19, for me yeah. to go to all these commemorations. And, you know, I mean, I, it, it wasn't on my bucket list to, uh, you know, I, when I wrote it, I knew that the 100th year anniversary yeah, was coming yeah. up. So, but I knew I'd be starting working on, on, some other, mm -hmm. on some other books. And I didn't, you know, I, I didn't think I was gonna be able to plan any of that for, I was hoping that a lot of the historical groups and societies would pick that up, and they certainly did. And they had a, a ceremony by the riverfront around July 5th, which is the anniversary of the wreck. Uh, the uh, local PBS station did a documentary, The Sinking of the Columbia. <laughs> which I was a part of, and, uh, and, and there was a, 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 a friend I knew through Amica Press who uh, is, a, is a retired educator, and he's an author and a musician, and he put together a musical. I say musical. It's, a, it's basically a reader's theater presentation uh, uh, with, with original music. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's characters. There were, there were about uh, 15 people in the troupe, and they played three or four different characters, and you basically walked up to the podium and you read these monologues and these stories uh, of people. Okay. They, were, they were character eyewitnesses. Uh, and he performed that um, at uh, two libraries in the Chicago area. And in August of last year, they brought it here to the Peoria Public Library. My wife and I were actually part of the cast for the Peoria. Were you really? I was oh, yes. Yes, I played the pilot. Uh, <laughs> and uh, oh, I forget who else I was. I was one of the, one of the uh, witnesses on the boat. But um, it was a lot of fun, I and bet. and uh, we got a, a great crowd for that, and uh, it was just, it was just a, a a neat way, and that was really kind of with the, with the anniversary being July and bringing it here in August, it was a neat way to kind of end mm -hmm. what was a year long commemoration, the hundred year commemoration. I call it a forgotten story, uh, and and uh, you know I I still believe that there are you know that that it's not so widely known, but of course, after last year, the 100th year anniversary, it got much more exposure. After the last um, 
survivor passed away. I believe it was 2006. Uh, they really didn't hold any of it. I mean, before then, they, they had something, you know, that, that someone could talk about, you know. And then when, when she died, and she was 106 when she passed away. Uh, she was just a teenager on the boat in 1918. But uh, after she passed away, that kind of, it, you know, the historical societies, they still held a few things. But not, annually, they didn't do anything by the river. And so it was nice to kind of come back and, and last year and, and have a nice ceremony and they rang the, the fire fire truck bell for nice. all the victims, read off all the names. Mm. Well, dream come true for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's, really it's cool. been it's you know, I, I I didn't expect much with the with, with the writing stuff and it's it's just been a, a thrill and it's been a wonderful journey with the with the Columbia especially because that's such a local mm -hmm. uh, a, lo a local story. So yeah, it's been it's been a nice ride. Our guest today, Ken Zersky, the director and reporter for Traffic One in the morning uh, across many stations, radio stations here in Peoria, and a pretty prolific author. author. So make sure to pick up uh, one or all three of his books. And don't forget that PeoriaLife.com is where you can see future episodes of Airplay and past ones as well. Also YouTube, Peoria TV, Channel 17 on i3 Broadband. Until next time, it's Scott Wheeler for Airplay. PeoriaLife.com.